you pray with me? Lord, thank you for these great truths that we can sing and that melt our hearts, hearts that were once of stone. Thank you for giving us a heart of flesh, a heart that can be responsive to you and that can learn even to obey you, the one who is perfect light and perfect goodness. Lord, we pray that we would hear your word this morning and that we would respond in obedience. God, that we might be your people, your trusting people, and that we might glorify you in the world. Holy Spirit, please speak to us this morning and reveal the areas of our heart where we are not submissive to you, and may, we, may you grant us the strength to turn. It's in Jesus, our Savior's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you open your Bible with me to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs? Um, and I'd like to just speak with you uh, for a moment. This is the last Sunday that I will be preaching as your whatever I have been. And, um, <clears throat> and I really didn't know, you know what to say or even to say anything, but I, I guess it's important to say something. So just so you know, Katie, and many of you have asked Katie and I's plan, our plans for the future, and uh, we had shared with, with some of you who asked that our desires were to, to go and for me to be able to uh, do more education. And so we, we had plans to move in, in December, possibly December, but uh, always wanted to be open. You never know, you know, what God might do, and so it's hard to make plans like that. But anyway, um, after talking with Nick and, um, and then just Katie, Katie and I, just personal things, we felt like it was important for us to stay a little while longer. And so, uh, just for your information, if you care, we'll be here until a, a little bit longer. So, thanks. <clears throat> Unless I, I did hear on the Sunday that Nick preached in view of a call that I was fired that day. And I, and I said, I hope it's, I'm demoted, not fired, as I prefer. So we'll be here, and I also just want to say thank you for the opportunity you've given me over the last year just to, to grow as a young man. I acknowledge my youth and inexperience and, um, and, and faults and, and on different levels. And so I just want to thank you for being gracious to me and allowing me to grow and experience and hopefully be a, of some benefit by God's grace. And also just want to share as you as, a, with, as hopefully a means of encouragement and testimony that I feel deeply that God has been gracious to me over the last year. There were a lot of Saturday nights that I wondered how Sunday morning was going to go. And I really wrestled with that. And I'm sure you on Sunday morning were wrestling with how Sunday morning was going to go. But I do in all of it feel that God has expressed his grace and his faithfulness to me. And so I hope that's an encouragement to you um, that God is always, always faithful. That he puts us in situations sometimes that we don't know how we will generate the strength to complete it and do it, and somehow uh, we still get through it and come through on the other side. And so I hope that you will trust the Lord as he brings you to difficult things that he will help you to endure. So, again, thank you. Um, this, <laughs> people have been saying, you know, this is my, my last sermon. And I, I just want to clarify, if you've already taken out the notes, um, you'll see that the topic is a little bit unusual this morning. And I pray that this is not my last chance to preach here, because if it is, 
I don't want my, the ministry to be summed up, you know, personally, mine, in, in this title. <laughs> um, how to be successful in God's world. This is, this is a study on wisdom literature that we have been walking through. And, and the idea here is, some of you have already heard, but in case you're visiting with us, that uh, God created all that is here, all that is, all that's in existence, was ordained and created by God. And so just as an inventor knows best how to use his invention, God himself knows best how to use everything in this world, including how we best live our lives. And one of the areas that really dominates the book of Proverbs is sexuality. Now, the book of Proverbs is written to young men, young men. Uh, some have called it a devotional for young, for young boys. It's, as I've shared with you before, it's a very easy book to just walk through every single month. There are 31 chapters. Uh, there are you know, 29 to 31 days most months. You can walk through a proverb a day. And as one writer uh, said, a proverb a day will keep foolishness away. So it's a devotional for young boys. And what the Proverbs express to us is one of the quickest ways a young man can get off track is through an immoral woman or through a relationship with a woman that is not healthy. Uh, And so the Proverbs is offering us much wisdom. Now, it's addressed to sons, but it can also be used with daughters. Most scholars agree that you can just, when you read these verses, ladies, you can just change the word men to women. You can change the pronoun from he to she, whatever it may be, but it has application uh, for all of us, not just to young men. So, on this topic of sexuality, there are actually at least eight chapters in the book of Proverbs that tell a young man how to avoid an immoral woman. It's, it's throughout the book of Proverbs, so that this wasn't just a topic I chose for fun, um, although I, maybe it'll be the one sermon that all the men can stay awake for this morning, right? Um, uh, but So this is how wisdom works in this area of sexuality. Let me hopefully give a, a little bit of explanation here. Proverbs often addresses wisdom or folly in, in human form. This is personification for all literature people. So Proverbs 9, if you'll turn with Proverbs 9 with me, we'll be here for just a moment. And we'll, we'll show you, I just want to show you how this works. We're going to look at Proverbs 9, verse 1, and then verse 4. And this is wisdom being addressed as a woman. Wisdom has built her house, it says in verse 1. She has carved out its seven pillars. And then uh, verse 4. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come eat my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. Leave your simple ways and live. This is wisdom speaking and come and say, listen to me. Then there's folly speaking last, at, at the end of the same chapter, Proverbs 9, verse 13. The woman fo- called folly is brash. She is naive and does not know anything. She calls out to those who are passing by in the way, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here, she says to those who lack understanding. But they do not realize that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. 
these are, are examples of personification, of wisdom being addressed and folly being addressed as women. It's applying human attributes to just concepts of wisdom and folly. But here's, here's where it gets interesting. Proverbs also speaks of literal women as either a path of wisdom leading to life or a path of folly leading to death. Proverbs 7, for instance, speaks of an adulteress, a lady who is an adulteress, and it says, her house is the way to Sheol, the place of the dead. It goes down to the chambers of death. This is an immoral woman. On the other hand, Proverbs 31.10, Proverbs 31 is the picture of the ultimate wise woman, and it says, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. You know the only other thing that's worth more than jewels in the book of Proverbs? Wisdom itself. Wisdom itself. And so here's the point. In sexual relationships, whether it's marriage or whether a man or woman chooses to pursue an immoral sexual relationship, those relationships are so deep and so profound, even if you sometimes think they're just a physical thing, those relationships alone can lead you down either a path to life and of joy or a path to death, misery, and bondage. And young people, this is so, so important to you, for you. We know that your, your hearts are eager. Your, uh, everything's eager. And you need to be careful. Proverbs is a warning to young people, to young men and to young women to pursue a path of life, a path that leads to life. You know, it's no accident that the book of Proverbs actually concludes with this picture of a wise woman. You see, if a man finds an excellent wife, a wise wife, it will bring blessing to his entire life. And ladies, it's the exact same for you. If you find a husband who will love you, a wise husband who will take care of you, it will be a blessing to your entire life. But on the other hand, if you find a man who is harsh and who will not love you and care for you, it will be destructive to your entire life. And men, it's the exact same. There's one of the Proverbs that says, a contentious woman is like rottenness to a man's bones. So, this is very important for us. Now, there's one group I want to go ahead and address. Proverbs doesn't speak to a call to be single. And we know from the rest of the scriptures that there are some who are, just, who are called to be single. But I don't want you to feel left out this morning. Remember that Proverbs is speaking to primarily young men. And I wonder if anyone in here knows any boys at puberty level who are thinking about celibacy. Anybody? Not. It's not a topic practical to this book. And that's what Proverbs is about, is practical wisdom for young men. And so, just for this group, to, young, to unmarrieds, widows, widowers, wherever you are, in, maybe in this stage, I want to just give some, uh, just a few points. First, trust God's sovereignty over your life. Maybe there are some of you, you don't feel called to be married, you don't want to be married, or then there are some who would really like to be married, and you're just not. Trust God's sovereignty over your life. Uh, Psalm 84.11, No good thing does God withhold from those who walk uprightly. Romans 8.28, We know that those who love God, all things work together for them who are called according to His purpose. 
Friend, if you're not married and you want to be, you're eager to be, trust the Lord that you won't miss His wisdom if you're walking with Him. Trust His sovereignty in your life. But also affirm God's, some of you, affirm God's potential design for you. Some of you might have been called to be single, and that's a beautiful thing in the Scriptures and something that the church needs to be more affirmative of as a whole. Matthew 19, 12. There are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And then there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Those who are called to be single are to be a blessing to the church. 1 Corinthians 7, 32-35, this is just a summary of these verses. Paul says, I want you to be free to serve the Lord without distraction. The unmarried are anxious about the things of the Lord. The unmarried are able to give more attention to the church and the things of God. They know how to please Him. But the married are anxious about worldly things, how to please a, a spouse. And so, friend, if you're unmarried, there might, that might be God's way for you. We can't, none of us can necessarily tell you that. But if it is, it's a joyful thing, and it's something the church should rally around you in, and they should encourage you. So I hope you don't feel discouraged this morning. At the same time, as you affirm God's potential design for you, make sure of this, though. Make sure that you affirm God's design for others as well. Hebrews 13.4 Marriage must be honored among all. Marriage must be honored among all. You see, there's this temptation to think and get so focused on our own stage of life that we ignore everyone else's stage of life. We kind of begin to believe that our stage of life or our calling is better than everyone else's. But I think this instruction from Hebrews says that... Marriage needs to be held in honor by whoever it is within the church. That marriage and even child rearing are a community responsibility. Not just for that family over there. That's their life, this is mine. So all of us need to be encouraging marriages, holding marriage in high regard, caring and helping to nurture marriages. Uh, Single folks, you don't... As someone has shared with me in pastoral counseling things, you don't have to have had an affair to be able to counsel people in an affair. And so the same is true for you. You may not have been in a marriage, but you have the scriptures and you know God's wisdom from his word. And so from his word, you can encourage even those who are married and help them to hold marriage in high regard. So now let's get into these other points this morning. Before we jump right into Proverbs, we need to, need to know that Proverbs always couches things in terms of how God intends them to be, right? So if we want to know how God intends marriage and sex to be, we need to go back even to Genesis. We need to go back to Genesis. Now, what Proverbs is very aware of is that the world is full of sexual temptation. That we are often going to be tempted to do things that aren't healthy. But... Culture, culture has already responded in many ways to the temptations, the sexual temptations we have, and the answer they've given is, uh, you were born this way, right? We, we've all heard that, and so just engage it, let it be, enjoy it. But let's look at Genesis and see how we really were made, how God created us to be. 
First Genesis one twenty-eight. After God creates man and woman, he says to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. You see, God created man and woman in his image to spread his image. The idea of this, this image in the ancient times, the king or whoever it was, the ruler over a, a... He couldn't be in every territory that he ruled. And so he would put statues of himself in those places that he couldn't always be. And it was an image of himself in that place to remind those people that he was ruler there. Well, the same idea, God has created image bearers and his image bearers remind everyone here that God is ruler over the earth. And so what God tells humans is be fruitful, multiply, spread his image. So the only way to create more image bearers is to be fruitful, have children. Implication, God created sex. It's not, it's, it wasn't just a result of the fall. It was in the beginning. But then God also created this with boundaries. Genesis 2, 24-25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. You see, marriage creates this intimately exclusive relationship for the development of another family. The man and the woman leave their father and mother and they create their own home and then they become one flesh. There's this union. And then they were naked and not ashamed. You know, marriage was created to be a place with no shame. And unfortunately today, because of sin, it's also, it's one of the places of greatest shame where we tried to hide things about ourselves. But it was created to be a place where we could be completely open Emotionally and in every way. So God created man and his woman in his image to spread his image. God created this relationship to be perfect, a place with no shame, an exclusive relationship without other people uh, invading into that and getting between the man and the woman. And then God also ordained parents as fathers and mothers for for shepherds for their children. And what I want to point out here is that the marital relationship isn't important just for itself, but for a society as a whole. Friends, how do you build a healthy society? With healthy people, right? How do you build healthy people? With healthy families. You see, it all begins in the home. It really does. G.K. Chesterton is known as being asked, what's wrong with the world? And he would respond, I am. I am wrong with the world. And so, if we, we need to look first at our own home to see where the problems lie. Proverbs 6.20 My child, guard the commands of your father and don't forsake the instruction of your mother. It's the father and mother that have this unique ability to provide the discipline and nurture that a child needs in order to flourish, to grow up, and to honor God. So, I want us to see this morning from Genesis that these are ideas that are built into creation. But due to the fall, all these things are stained. There are obvious things. There's pedophilia, there's adultery, and there's homosexuality. But then there's less obvious. Husbands don't love and care for their wives. Wives don't respect 
their husbands and love them and nurture them. There's emotional adultery. One spouse begins to entrust uh, conversations to other, a person of the opposite sex that is not their spouse. There are children who aren't cared for, who aren't raised, nurtured, disciplined. There are spouses with sexual addictions. And so Proverbs, it speaks wisdom to us on how to approach marriage and sex in this sinful world. So the question we need to ask, the, Proverbs, the, the question in Proverbs ask is, what do we do with our desires? This is what the father the, in Proverbs instructs his child in throughout the, throughout the book. And the first answer is, guard them. Guard your desires. There is an allure from the adulteress. Proverbs 6 24 through 25. I just want to read you a few examples of what it says and how it describes an adulteress and a prostitute. Proverbs 6, 24 through 25. Smooth tongue. This woman has a smooth tongue. She knows how to talk to a man. And there are men who are the same way. They know how to talk to a woman. She's beautiful and she has alluring eyes. Chapter 7, verse 5, she flatters you with her words. Men, these, these women, they know how to make you feel just right. To the extent that sometimes you would ask, I wish my wife would make me feel this good. 7.18, she says to you, let's drink deeply of lovemaking until morning. Let's delight ourselves with love. But sounds pretty good, right? Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. The first instruction, the first thing we need to do with our desires is we need to guard them. Because... The adulteress or the immoral woman will come at us with things that are difficult to resist. Difficult to resist. Young young boys, men, however old you are, you need to know, you need to know that the temptations will be strong. Extremely strong to the point where it will be hard sometimes to see any other way that could be good. It just seems like the only way. But it's not. It's not. Let's look at a case study. The dad in Proverbs gives us a case study in foolishness. It's a, it's a passage we looked at, we've looked at before, but not in depth, and so it'll be helpful for us to look at it one more time. We're going to look at chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 6. If you'll turn there with me. Chapter 7, beginning in verse 6. The father says to the son, At the window of my house, I've looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. There's this group of youth, and the father sees one who's a little bit, uh, well, doesn't have it together like some of the others, I guess. Chapter, uh, then verse 8. He passes along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night, night and darkness. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. Verse 10, And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily, 
of heart. She's loud and wayward. Her feet don't stay at home. This is an independent woman, a woman who knows how to take care of herself. That's sometimes attractive in a woman, right? Verse 12, now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. And then verse 12, 13, she seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to, ten, to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I've paid my vows. You know what's interesting about this woman? is She's actually a religious woman. This woman's been to the temple. She somewhat looks like maybe on the exterior, a godly woman and what she does. Verse 15, So now I've come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. This woman says to him, I have my eyes only on you. I was looking for you. I've spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. With such seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Here's the problem with a lot of the uh, sexual encounters that happen. We don't think about what happens after. We don't think about the consequences. And for this kid, he goes as an ox to the slaughter. He doesn't know all that it will cost him. I hope that right now you're thinking about the consequences that could come because of the relationships you're engaging in. And I hope in the future that when there are opportunities that you'll resist them because you'll know that the consequences are never worth it. They're never worth the moment of joy or whatever, or great experience. As one pastor says in this passage, at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. I realize that there are people who, we've all made these mistakes. And so the beautiful picture is that while this kid went as an ox goes to the slaughter, there was a lamb who went to be slaughtered as well. So that if you have made these foolish mistakes, friend, your sins can be completely forgiven because he, as a lamb, went willingly and died so that your sins could be removed. So what I'm not, try- I'm not trying to say this morning that you're doomed, but what I am trying to say is watch yourself. And if you are on this path, please turn and trust the grace of Christ to forgive you. What do we do with our desires? We guard them, friends. We guard them. And one aspect of this that I think people don't think about is that if this he or she in your life, whoever it is, if she'll, he or she will sleep with you without public commitment, she'll sleep with someone else. If they're not willing to go to be married, then they'll do the same thing with someone else. So it's important to think about the consequences What do we do with our desires? We guard them, but then we enjoy our desires in the most fulfilling context. And this is 
where we get to Proverbs talking about marriage. Proverbs 5, 15 through 19. This is right after the father has said to the son in another place, son, guard yourself from the adulteress, from the immoral woman. And this is what he says. Instead, instead of going after that immoral woman, this is what you should do. 15 through 19 of Proverbs 5. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed outside, your streams of water in the wide plazas. I'm not going to go into detail, but if you read books from scholars on Proverbs, this is all very sexual language about enjoying a wife, enjoying a spouse. Let them be for yourself alone, not for strangers with you. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in your young wife, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you at all times. May you be captivated by her love always. Friends, what do we do with our desires? God has provided a beautiful outlet, a satisfying outlet in the context of marriage in which you publicly commit to one another an exclusive relationship. Ecclesiastes 9, 7-9 Go eat your food with joy, drink your wine with a happy heart because God has already approved of your works. Let your clothes always be white and do not spare precious ointment on your head. Enjoy life with your beloved wife all the days of your fleeting life that God has given you on earth during all your fleeting days. The message of the wisdom literature, the message of God, His wisdom, is that we would enjoy a spouse. For those of us who are married, there's really a biblical mandate that we strive to enjoy our marriage. I think some of us, I'm not saying this has happened here, but I have seen this among Christians. You find yourself in a difficult marriage and you think, well, I'm I'm stuck here. This is just the way it's going to have to be. I'll have to endure it. But friend, the, the instruction of God is that you would work always to enjoy your marriage. That you learn the needs of your spouse and ways you can express love to them. I don't want to discount that some of you have extremely difficult situations. But I do want to encourage you that you would strive in every way to bring joy in your marriage. So what do we do with our desires? We guard them, but then we also enjoy them. We enjoy them to the fullest extent. And then lastly this morning, how do, how do I, some of you might be asking, how do we find a good spouse, a wise spouse? And uh, for those of us who already have one, how do you become a good one? How do you become a good one? First, you pray. First, you pray. Proverbs 19.14 says this, A house and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. It's, it's not easy to find a wise spouse. And so the first thing you need to do is just pray and beg of that from the Lord. Proverbs 31.10, this is the verse we read earlier, Who can find a wife of noble character? Her value is far more than rubies. What they're telling us is that a wise spouse is rare. And so we need to be praying for it. And for the married, friend, prayer is where God can transform your heart and your spouse's too. And so if you want to know how to be a good spouse and how to get your spouse to maybe improve on some things, well, instead of maybe arguing, prayer would be a better route. 
So pray. That's the best place to start. But then know what you're looking for and be that. Know look, what you're looking for and be that. Proverbs 11.22 A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring and a pig's snout. Women and men. You're not just looking for someone who's attractive. You're looking for someone who's wise. And someone who's attractive but doesn't have discretion and wisdom. It's useless. As Proverbs 31 will say, we'll look at it in a moment, beauty is fleeting. It will go. At some point, it will go. And so, it's beauty without discretion is worthless. Proverbs 12.4, a wife... A noble wife is the crown of her husband, but the wife who acts shamefully is like rottenness in his bones. A spouse, spouses will either be a help to one another or they'll be a hindrance to one another. They'll either be a blessing to one another or they'll be a burden to one another. And so the question that spouses should ask are, are you being a blessing to your spouse? And then for you single folks who long to get married one day, how can you be a blessing to the person you want to marry? And then how can they also be a blessing to you? These are important questions. Proverbs 21.9, It's better to live on a corner of the housetop than in a house in company with a quarrelsome wife. Do you get the imagery of this proverb? It would be better to live on the top of the bubble than live in a house with a woman who wants to argue all the time and complain. But it goes the same for men. Let's not attack the women on this one. Men, are you quarrelsome? Are you quick to anger? Are you always arguing, trying to pick a fight? And this is a common proverb. Proverbs 25-24 repeats this exact same thing. And then Proverbs... 21.19, later in the same chapter, it's better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and easily provoked woman. Many of us need to take these to heart, to be patient and to be loving. We don't need to use them against each other. And then Proverbs 31, woman wisdom. And this is the the biggest picture of a a wise spouse in all the Proverbs. And I know it it, it speaks to a woman, but man, there there are many things we can learn from this woman. But also, just a a word to women here. Uh, As I was talking with someone this week, they talked about how sometimes reading a Proverb 31 as a woman can be so heavy and burdensome. It's just, uh, who can attain this? Who can be this woman? And so... I would invite you, ladies, all of us, to, to read through this and pray about the, how the Spirit would speak to us and lead, this, lead us in this. Don't be burdened by it. Um, this is an ideal, wise woman that the Proverbs are speaking to. And I just want to pre- point out three, three main points in this wise woman. First, her worth to her family. Her worth to her family. Verses 11 through 12 of Proverbs 31, if you're looking on with me. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Again, friends, you'll either be a burden or a blessing to your spouse. Are you being a burden or are you being a blessing? 
verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Now, the gates during this time is where all the business transactions of that whole city took place. These were basically ruling elders for the city. And so people would come to these men to ask what to do if they can make a business transaction. These were the leaders of the city. And what it's saying is that this woman gave her husband a great reputation among all the men of the city. She's a blessing to her family. Verses 28 through 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. The way to be a wise spouse is to be a blessing to your family. A blessing to all of your family. This woman holds great worth for all her family. But the, all, the other thing the proverb notes, one other thing, is her work ethic. And I, th- I think this is quite amazing. A lot of times when we think of this godly woman as the woman who's done the most Bethmore Bible studies, uh, she listens to, to Caleb and other things. And this is the godly woman. But this woman works. She works. Verses 13 through 17. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. This woman is knowledgeable about land and land that can produce the most and be the most fruitful. And so she's able to think through this process Verse 17, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Young men, I I can just, can't you just imagine young men sitting around talking about the kind of wife they want and they want a wife who's strong, you know, big arms, girds herself with just strength. Isn't that what young men ask for? No. Men, you need to ask for a woman who's strong, who can work. You might not see that now, but as you, you know, get into careers and then begin to have children and all those things, you'll desire a woman who works hard. So this woman, she has great worth for her family. She has a strong work ethic. And then she has a great fear of the Lord. And this is what brings it all together. Verses 30 through 31. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in, all, in the gates. One author asked, what is it that enables this woman to embody wisdom so beautifully? Know this, that this Proverbs 31, that what it's doing is summing up the whole book of Proverbs with a woman who represents wisdom. What is it that enables her to do this so beautifully? And they respond, she orients her life to the creator of the world and lives out her faith to the full and her daily activities. This is how you become a blessing to your spouse, man or woman, college student, whoever you are, young person who's thinking about you want to find a girl or a guy. This is wisdom. That you find someone, that you be someone who orients their life toward the creator of the world and you live out that faith to the full in everything you do. Lastly, How to be a wise spouse, a good spouse, is you look to Christ, your perfect and eternal spouse. You look to Christ, your perfect and eternal spouse. 
those who are followers of Jesus, we really need to be reminded that we're the bride of Christ. This is the correlation that Paul draws in Ephesians 5. That husbands would love their wives as Christ loved the church. And that marriage, its main role in this time, this period of creation, is to point to the eternal marriage, the only eternal marriage, which is Christ and His church. So, it's helpful to ask, what type of spouse is Christ? What kind of spouse is Christ? Well, Christ laid down His life for an immoral, cheating bride. Christ laid down His life for an immoral and cheating bride. Friend, there is nothing your spouse has done that isn't worse than what you've done to Jesus. There's nothing your spouse has done that isn't worse than what you've done to God Himself. You see, the Gospel, the good news of Jesus and His grace towards us and our sin keeps our marriages full of grace. It keeps our marriages full of grace and forgiveness. Because we can look at our spouse, whatever they've done to us, and say, I've done worse to Jesus and He was gracious to me and He was kind to me. Christ laid down His life for an immoral cheating bride. And Christ patiently waits with a gentle yet firm love drawing us towards His image. You ever feel like my spouse just doesn't understand me? They just don't, they don't get it. When is he or she going to get it? This is the, you kind of draw that line in the sand. This is the last time I can put up with this. Has Christ ever dealt like that with you? I mean, has he ever said that to you? Have you ever felt that? That if you did it one last time, Christ was going to abandon you? It never happens. Never happens. He will never abandon those that He has forgiven. And so you also can't draw lines in the sand in your marriage. You also can't refuse to forgive for whatever your spouse has done. I realize many of you endure difficult things and are in difficult situations, but friends, the only way to endure that is to look to Christ who has endured far more than any of us will ever have to endure. You know, the better spouse we are to Christ, the better spouse we are to our husbands or wife. This is how we become a good spouse. This is how you prepare for marriage, young people, is you look to Christ. The perfect spouse, the eternal spouse. Young people, I know you're eager, but keep your mind on Jesus and it will be worth it to wait. So, what do we do? What do we do with our desires? We guard them. And then we seek to be a wise spouse. And we seek wise spouses. And finally, we set our minds on Christ, the only perfect eternal spouse. And we let our hearts be captivated by His grace to us. And then we develop marriages that are full of grace and that point the world to Christ. Isn't it a beautiful picture? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us and for showing us what